Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stone Age Fuel Fit for Life show with your host, Chandler. Steph. You can't see her face. Michaela. I'm like. She's right here. There she is. Steph, stand up. No. Steph, what are you drinking? Really? We were talking about this earlier. Just own it. I'm drinking a triple mocha frappuccino. Wow. It's what? delicious. So she says that the baby wants it. Yeah, but totally. It's her fault. It's her fault? Yeah, it's her fault. I'm going to blame her for this one. <laughs> so just remember, there's a situation at a point in time where you can eat unhealthy. Just own it. Say, yeah, I did that. That was fun. And then just move on and eat better the next day. Don't beat yourself up over it. Yep. That's the big thing. Like, it's only it's Tuesday already, and I've only had one milkshake this week. That's true. She's doing great. She still can't see her face. <laughs> So anyway, we wanted to talk today about our youth weightlifting and sports performance program. We get a lot of questions asking about it, and one of the things that we wanted to talk about was why we bring kids on -on one-on-one and why we train them individually before we allow them to go into the group training sessions. And I think one of the biggest reasons we started doing this was because we found that kids are like gumby little creatures. They can move all over the place. They might have problems, but nobody understands what the problems are yet. They're weirdly flexing places. Uh, They can get really deep in their squats. And because they have the capabilities to do these things, they have different problems and issues that can arise from group training, just like adults do. But they have a lot more capabilities to maybe hurt themselves more if you don't spot what's going on both physically and mentally. What do you guys think? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's good because definitely, um, you know, even the little ones, they can develop bad habits and early on, and some kids are just more athletic than others. Some don't have an athletic bone in them, so it's always good to at least get a idea of where they're at. Yeah. For sure. What do you think, Michaela? <laughs> I think I agree. (laughs) Yeah, like you said, because kids are so flexy, they do have different um, issues going on versus adults because they can do these movements so much better. It's so much easier to train them. But then you also got to tweak them as well, fix little things, because too deep of a squat also isn't a good squat. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's huge. And. Uh, We have kids who sometimes walk in and nobody thinks they have any issues. You start training them and you spot three or four different things that are going to cause problems and be exacerbated maybe from sports they were performing or maybe from something that's going on in their lives. And we can be the ones to spot that and provide a recommendation and a solution to fix it if we have the kid in a one-on-one environment. Now, if the child is working with us and they are in a group, it's a lot harder to spot and dictate what you can do and how you can fix those kids because what you see is going to be different with one kid versus 12 kids. If I have 12 kids, my goal in that session is just to make sure nobody dies. But if I have one kid, my goal in that session is to make sure that that one child develops in the best way with the most competent movement patterns. Mm-hmm. And then if you, and the other thing we find that if we train them one-on-one, especially when we're working on sports performance and like youth weightlifting, is we really need these kids to develop a technical accuracy around what they're doing, and we really need to understand the strengths they have and the weaknesses they've de- developed due to training in their sports. And sometimes we see like gymnasts come in and they have problems with Achilles tendons or they have knee or shoulder or back pain or, or problems like that, and we can alleviate and fix and work on that kind of stuff if we understand what's going on and why it's happening. Now, if they're 
and if they're one-on-one, it's a lot easier to spot treat that kind of stuff because you can watch one person and you can watch every single movement pattern they do and make. Yeah, you never know what's going to come up. Like one time we had a kid who ended up having a more serious somatic disorder. And in group class, it would have been harder to give him the one-on-one attention he needed versus having him one-on-one. It would, We could provide that uh, care that we needed to in, in, so he could um, improve. <laughs> <laughs> Recover from his little episode. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but so- in a group setting, it would have been so much harder to yeah. watch all these other kids and the one kid who needed the extra attention at that time. Right. Exactly. And so when, and things like that are the extreme cases when we spot things that maybe we didn't know about and the parents didn't know or didn't know about. And then we can make a recommendation and fix and work with that kid ongoing. They don't feel embarrassed if something happens because it's just us. Mm -hmm. And then we build into a strong, supportive, nurturing environment where we can pull back and we can work with them. We can take the time to really give them the quality of care they need and the attention they need to feel better and come back and, and get stronger and overcome a lot of these problems and issues that we see definitely it's hard to make sure the kids aren't flailing around and no one dies when you've got even with like little kids with like six kids or more it's hard so having small small like two or three at a time is really good yeah, and that's why we train them mm-hmm. so closely together. Now, if we have like a brother combo or a brother sister or, or that kind of thing, we'll train up to three at the same time, but we'll have the family there and the kids, obviously, and we'll have the parents there paying attention. And if we can get buy in from both groups, the kids and the parents, and both know what's going on and understand the process and the curriculum and why we're doing the things we do. So, down the road, if something happens, the parents are already well, well aware of what's going on. They already know how we're doing it, they already know what we're fixing, and they can talk about it. Because I think one of the biggest failures is not establishing a relationship with parents as well. A lot of places just throw kids into a class, and the parents don't necessarily know what's going on. But if you can develop a relationship to where the parents know and understand what's happening and feel comfortable asking questions, then you put yourself in an environment where everybody's going to win because everybody feels comfortable with the training scenario. Sometimes you got to make sure, too, that relationship with the parents is strong because some some parents will just be like, all right, you got sports today, go, bye. And it's like they're like two hours of free time. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's They're true. like, woo, no kids, I'm going out. <laughs> no, yeah. just... Babysitting. <laughs> but yeah, like, you got to make sure too, you know, it's not just like a, like, they're just like, okay, it's about that time to just go drop you off and do whatever you do. I don't even, I don't even know what you do. I drop you off at this sport place and who knows? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have a clue either. So it's good to make sure you have that relationship with the parents too. And that they actually sit and watch sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I know they don't want to sit and watch every time. My parents didn't do gymnastics after a while, but every so often, you know, like once a week, once every couple weeks at least, just sit in there and make sure you know what's going on. Yeah, you should be aware. If you're a parent watching this, you should be aware of how your kid's being trained and who's training them and ask questions constantly. And mm-hmm. If a coach has a problem answering questions or feels like they're taken aback, that's a, a good indicator to probably not let that coach coach your children until they can answer your questions and really talk about what you need to know. And and there's also a line where a parent goes too far. And, and so that's a good relationship that the coach builds with the parent at the same time. And we so we know how to communicate with each other 
we know what you I know what you're looking for you know what I'm looking for and we feel comfortable going back and forth and asking each other questions because if you can't do that then there's never any there's always just a sticking point and there's never any dichotomy of character going on there where mm-hmm. you can actually work together yep yeah my dad was bad <laughs> he butted heads with my coaches all the time <laughs> Well, not so much. Even me being a parent, it is frustrating when um, I feel like my kid, because we do things differently than most people do them. (laughs) Even my eight-year-old has pointed this out in classes, and, you know, it sucks, and it's frustrating when you don't feel comfortable enough to question a coach Mm -hmm. because that's my child. I want the best for them, you know? And sometimes people are just unaware and that's why whenever I'm coaching kids here, I, you know, ask the parents, do you have any questions or anything mm-hmm. else you need, you know, like, how was everything today and even the next time? So how did everything go afterwards? And right. make sure they feel comfortable. I want the parents to always ask questions. If they have any questions, I'm here to answer them. If I can't answer them, I ask you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just so they feel comfortable because yeah. it it's so important because in, in the end, the child and the parent are a team. And if both of them aren't on the same page with you, it's not going to work out. Right. Yeah, exactly. And thinking about it from the parent's point of view, ours isn't done cooking yet, but eventually it'll get out. But from the parent point of view, you have to remember that that's your little, your little person that follows you around, your little mini you that's there. And so it's your responsibility, even if you feel uncomfortable, to question the coaches and to question what's happening and to at least have an idea of what's going on. So that way you, you can understand it and you don't feel taken aback down the road if you didn't understand what's going on. Because it's, it's definitely a responsibility to be aware. And it's a responsibility of the coach, like Michaela's saying, to ask, how did you like this? How Did you understand everything? Do you have any questions? We should be asking why enough to where you think we're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so the, the way we bring kids in when we do the, the one-on-one training and we do all the training is they usually do about four sessions one-on-one with us. And we work them through a little bit of a, like a movement assessment. We talk about, we do talk about nutrition, but it's not in terms of diet. It's eating well, eating right, and eating the better options. It's not creating complexes around diet foods and all these crazy things. We're not teaching kids to eat paleo or anything like that or keto or anything that can be construed as a diet in their brain, especially young girls. We're just teaching them what better options are. Like, hey, instead of that bowl of Lucky Charms, maybe you eat eggs for breakfast. If you don't have eggs, maybe you eat a bowl of oatmeal. Stuff that they can Mm -hmm. prepare themselves and the parents can also prepare. And uh, Michaela, why don't you walk us through some of the sessions you do with the kids in the beginning? So in the beginning... We always sit down with the one-on-one um, with the kids and the parents and explain how we do things and what we do here and make sure that, you know, that we're a right fit, that the kids are actually interested in doing this and what their goals are. Most kids have goals as well, just like adults. And then uh, we start with um, a warm-up in our next three sessions that it's the same warm-up every day so they get used to it. So when they get into group classes, they know their warm-up they're already on top of things. Um, And then first day, I think it's snatch day, and then we have clean and jerk day, and then, I forget what the last day entails. It's in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I'm looking at my notes, I forget things. But it's really neat. I like working with the kids. Um, They're just in there, and sometimes, not always, the parents can watch, because I've even had times where the parents are like, I'm gonna leave, because the kids don't want to do it all the time. So the parents will leave, and then I get them into their sessions, and they actually do really well, and they they move really well. It's just it's easy to train them. Yeah. <laughs> They're pliable. Yeah, and it's nice. So 
and they pick up like our first day is snatch day and in my opinion i feel like snatch is one of the hardest ones movements to complete it took me a good at least two years to get the technique of the snatch down and these kids just whip it out like it's so simple i am always amazed because i'm like this is so hard for me as an adult because you know i have my own physical problems from not being so active but they just get in there and they just do it and it's it's so it's so neat to watch in every movement you don't even have to you have special terms or anything you have to simplify it for them as much as possible on these first sessions and they pick up on it like mm-hmm. that yeah it's right. pretty incredible and when you think about the way we're training the kids it's this isn't jamboree so it's not just like go in there and flop around for 20 oh minutes and leave it's <laughs> this is and if that's i've never actually been in a jamboree so if i'm incorrect just comment on what that really is like but that's what i'm assuming kind of we'll call it like. daycare <laughs> Uh, so but when we take yeah. these kids and we teach them complex movement patterns that go, go, are going to help increase the amount of athleticism they have and the ability for them to create explosiveness in their hips, which is the core thing that we need to develop for any sort of athletic-based movement and develop any power for athletics. And if in order to teach this kind of, the kind of stuff, you have to teach the kids how to lift well and how to lift efficiently and how to not die when they lift and how to jump and how to maneuver themselves and how to spot problems because the kids don't understand what pain versus soreness is half the time and if you've ever trained them and you ask them the difference they have they're like i don't know know, does this feel like a stabbing or a pulling and so you really have to help them understand what pain what soreness and what injury looks like so when they are in their sport they know how to spot it and they know how to come back to us and say hey so when i was running today the top of my knee hurt i think that's it's i think that's the injury you we're talking about mm-hmm. so then we can bring them in here and show them the techniques and the mobility maneuvers and the whatever we need to do to modify and adjust and make them better so it's in here it's a, it's a training facility for these guys it's increasing athleticism and making them better at their sport but also making sure that they stay healthy in what they do mm-hmm. I think it's <clears throat> huge too doing the sports performance because I mean I was lucky enough not to be like injured 99.9% of the time in gymnastics when I was in for 12 years um, competing, but I know a lot of um, my teammates and stuff, I mean, had we had this back when I was doing it, they would have benefited and not been as injured or broken all the time, you know. I mean, it's definitely something, building strength, even when I got out of it, all my old injuries that were, like, nagging and just never went away. I mean, I had been out for um, probably about five or six years competing before I even like thought about getting into something like this and all of my little nagging injuries are gone for the most part other than joints but (laughs) (laughs) but like back pain and elbows and ankles and wrists and I mean they're all at least better than they were so it obviously you know it works even for old people (laughs) old athletes like me no I'm just kidding (laughs) but um so yeah younger kids getting into this now it's like great for them i know this one will be in as soon as she can so yeah that's a good point for her part of this is it's athletic performance needed to be so there's two kinds of coaches in athletic performance and training there's the ones who make people like stand (laughs) sideways on a bosu ball and do handstands upside down for no reason or squats on a bosu ball none of that makes sense what makes sense is a strength and conditioning coach and an athletic trainer for lack of a better term that can go in there and not only teach the explosive movements, teach the safety of the movements, and then teach the kids how to stay not injured and have a a program that encompasses that because it's 
to for us, it's not our position to teach a kid how to run down the line of football well. We're not here to teach them how to sprawl well in wrestling, and I'm not here to mimic those movements either. A common fallacy is that we need to mimic a sprawl in order to make someone strong at a sprawl, or we need to mimic a what a handstand position to make someone's shoulder hurt less when they do a handstand and that's not the idea the idea is looking at the stability and structure and function of the movement and how we create a foundation of it at the basic level so if i need someone to have strong knees and to be able to do a a really powerful sprawl i need them to be doing some powerful jumping movements to get some explosiveness and i need them to squat to have the power to withstand the force that's going to be driven to them by that movement exactly (laughs) take a big deep breath (laughs) (laughs) breathe it all (laughs) yeah we have a couple people on instagram hey guys one of them is a weightlifter in europe commenting can you guys see those words Uh uh-uh do you want me to read it oh if i'm not stuck (laughs) yeah so so think about it when you guys are getting kids trained and when you guys are working with kids it's if you're looking for an actual athletic development program and an athletic development center who can train your kids to both excel in sports and to be able to withstand the injuries that are sustained doing high level athletic activities you need to find somewhere that's going to allow you to bring those kids in at the beginning at least in a one-on-one environment and train them to understand their strengths and create a sort of file around them and what's going on so then that can be looked back upon and consistently and constantly developed over time and then you can essentially eventually move them into a group training format so eventually we do move kids into a club training format we call it so they, they train together they're still a coach 24 7 on the floor with them but they know what their workouts are they know what they have to do for the day and they follow it coach is there to watch them and roam around Around. Coach isn't a babysitter sitting in the back drinking Kool-Aid because it's full of sugar. <laughs> Coach is actually there to be with the kids, to talk to them, to work with them, to fix their problems and issues, and to essentially mentor them. Because uh, a kid has three good mentors in their lives. They have their teachers, they have their parents, and then they usually have their coaches. And often they spend more time with their coaches than their parents. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you think back to gymnastics, what were you, six hours a day? Mm, by the time I was done, yeah, about six hours a day. And you'd be like two hours at home with your parents every night? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really what it comes down to from a functional level and why we train the kids one-on-one. It, it comes down to safe, safety, athletic development, being sure we understand each individual characteristic of the kid, and then making sure we develop them in the correct way based on the things that they're not good at and the things they are good at. What do you guys think? Closing arguments? Um, I like it. I would put my kid in. Yeah. <laughs> my kids do it. My son just turned old enough to weight lift. Yep. Yeah. Exciting. We have lots of kids both here locally, and we have a lot of remote kids that we train. So we have people from all over. We have national-level wrestlers. What, Reese is like two-time national Two-time level? national. We going got... off to boarding school, basically, for wrestling, yeah. like, <laughs> training as a freshman in high school so it's pretty exciting we have high level football players we have baseball players track and field we're part of the usa weightlifting and athlete transition program so we're training like jake dalton who's a former olympian to transition to weightlifting so we do have a lot of kids that we've been in through had in through the program and worked with and developed an understanding through lots of practice Mm -hmm. lots lots Luckily, we got to mess up with your little sister first. Yeah, she started it. <laughs> I did. I put my. If you guys want to know about how dedicated we are, I put my sister in first, the littlest one. Yep. And she, um, 
If she wasn't so lazy, she'd be a champion. Oh my gosh, that is so true. <laughs> she would be at the highest level right now. I hope she's listening right now. <laughs> yeah. Actually, maybe she's not. She's actually, I think she just likes cheerleading better. No, she's pretty lazy. Okay, she's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> because this would make her better at cheerleading. That's exactly. true. She knows it. She does know it. <laughs> it did. When we brought her in originally, it got yeah. rid of all of her cheer, cheer injuries. Yep. And she was stronger. And then she was like the strongest base and everything. Flyer yeah. out there. <laughs> and now... She's just lazy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the teenager. Yep. <laughs> I think it runs in the family. Yeah, it That does. too. Me, that's a problem. Lazy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a problem sometimes you run into. Raw athletic talent combined with laziness equals mm-hmm. success. I think maybe you, you were the only one that didn't have the full laziness. Because, I mean, sometimes you're lazy. And then you're not so much lazy. You just like to sandbag and you fall off the wagon sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> My sandbagging leaves me to fall off the wagon. Yeah, sandbagger. <laughs> it's just like Mia, when she was doing weightlifting a couple times a week, she was doing her 10 pull-ups at gymnastics or whatever it was. And now she can't barely get one or two in. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you got to go back to weightlifting. So it's good that she's starting again. Yeah. I'm excited that she's starting again. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's another good point. It's a progressive cycle. The kids don't just become magic in a day. No. It takes years and years and years to develop the competency in and athleticism in these guys. And then it carries forward and follows them throughout whatever they decide to do. So if they mm-hmm. start this young, then they're good at everything. They crush baseball, track, football. And the more sports that they play, the more likely we find it is that they find success as they move into college and stuff like that and getting scholarships. Mm-hmm. More options. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, you guys, this has been fun. If you have questions, post them in the comments. Hold on. That way. Post them in the comments. <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh, just email it to Chandler at StoneAgeFuel.com and we'll answer your questions. And that's all she wrote. <laughs> See ya! Bye!